Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Good evening. You are looking live at Inside the Locker Room. I'm your co-host, Brian Mosalem, alongside my co-host, Jason Strayhorn, the Honorable. We have a special guest in studio, 24-7 sports reporter, Justin Thin. How you doing, Justin? How you doing, Jason? Thanks for having me, guys. Excited to be here in the studio. Uh, Hopefully, I live up to the pressure that's on me today for filling in for Tom Izzo. Oh, you got big shoes to <laughs> no fill. No pressure, Justin. No, oh, no pressure. Big shoes to I'm fill. I'm sure everybody's just as happy with you. <laughs> yeah. I doubt it. <laughs> Co- Coach had a conflict that came up that, uh, you know, I think conflict many... Conflict my ass. You know, I... We're going to call it a conflict. We're going to call it a conflict, you know. But, uh, you know, he got a call. He got invited to that, the Pistons game, which I'm sure many of you have seen him on... on at the game right now, he got invited by uh, one Matt Ishbia, and uh, we felt it was appropriate, given all that Matt has done for the university, to excuse Coach from coming on the show. So, uh, you know, it's time well spent. Excuse. It was an excuse. It, we, it was absence, excused right? absence. Yep, it's an excused absence. But uh, you know, I guess when Matt picks up the phone and invites you, you go. What do you think, Justin? Yeah, and you guys are stuck with me as a result. So blame Ish. We're, 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 we are blaming Ish, and that's why Ish Ish owes us a he owes us a visit on the show, you know. But uh, we'll get yes. Coach, we'll get him, we'll, we'll get Ish on here. We'll get him on here one day, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get to him later. But uh, talk a little spring football, though. Um, as we know, it's that time of the year, and uh, full pads, full go, full throttle. We had Coach Camp on last week. Offensive line has been, um, you know, um, they've been playing light. It's very, very tough to roll seven linemen during spring ball. Um, you know, Jason, give us your thoughts on, on how spring ball is going, um, uh, what you're hearing, what you've seen. I know you're up there. You've been up there a few times. You know, honestly, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of improvement, especially when you look at the secondary for Michigan State uh, defensively. Uh, an area of concern a year ago during the season, as you know, giving up huge big plays in, in critical games against Purdue. And obviously down the stretch, you know, when it, when it really mattered against Ohio State and Columbus, where the area of, uh, it's an area of need. And, and you can see with uh, the moves that have been made in the defensive secondary as far as coaching is concerned, Mel Tucker taking the reins and becoming essentially the, the, the cornerback's coach himself. Uh, you can see there's a, a definite upgrade in, in assignment, sound, football, and obviously the talent upgrade when you look at the two corners right now who are leading the depth chart. And we'll talk to Justin more about that when you look at Amir Speed and also on the from Georgia on the other side, looking at Ronald Williams from the University of Alabama, both transfers. Justin, what have you heard? That's what I'm interested in because you guys are on are on when it comes to what the players are doing, what they're thinking, what their their families know, and what the coaches are saying as well. So that holistic view, 
as far as the spring is concerned, give us your honest opinion of what's been going on right. in Michigan State. Right. So uh, kind of like you were touching on there, the defensive backfield is very intriguing right now. Uh, with Amir Speed joining the fold and pretty much everyone else returning last year that had a major role, Michigan State has a lot of continuity and stability there with probably one of the best corners uh, now joining the team compared to who was there last year. I think Amir Speed and Ronald Williams will probably be the two starting corners. Uh, you're looking at Angelo Gross and Xavier Henderson probably as the two safeties, probably playing around with that free safety role a little bit and maybe seeing what else they can do there. But um, And then if you look at a guy like Chester Kimbrough, maybe looking uh, at a spot in that nickelback area, you kind of have three true cover corners there, which is a little different than what Michigan State did last year. They kind of had a 4-2-5 last year that was really just a 4-3, but with the nickel playing off the line. Now, in this case, if you do see that 4-2-5 with the nickel being a pure corner like Kimbrough, now you're looking at an NFL kind of a 4-2-5 nickel defense. So that storyline is something that's really sticking out to me, and you're able to do that by adding someone like Amir Speed and him kind of meeting expectations of what he was supposed to do when he got here. And uh, by all accounts, he has done so. He's been very impressive. Uh, I know Stephen Brooks and Corey Robinson, they've been attending. They're my colleagues. They've been attending the spring ball. He meets the eye test. And from all we've heard, uh, he's, his play matches his last name. And he's a physical guy. So really intrigued by the versatility they're going to have in the defensive backfield and what that's going to allow for them to do schematically in regards to that 4-2-5 shift I was talking about. Uh, other than that, nothing really uh, major that I'm hearing other than the offensive line. As everyone has heard, it's uh, it's thin right now. There's some guys that are out. I know Coach Cap was talking about that in a presser recently. He talked about that with you guys. So it's, uh, it's a work in progress, but a lot of young guys are getting reps. And uh, I guess that's the, the bright way to look at it right now. Did I hear Green was out? Was he? Was it? Was that? Uh, so Green hasn't enrolled yet. Uh, he hasn't come. He, he's coming in May. State, yeah, it's coming in May. Exactly. Correct. Yeah. It's coming in May. Yep. And so I, I want to echo what you were talking about about Amir Speed. You know, mm -hmm. he looks the part, and everybody says his name. Yeah. Uh, he's he's got you know the that the, the what we're looking for right. in the back end, and you know there's length, right? I mean, we haven't had length in the back end in a long time. Yep. And, um But you know, uh, the the best way to to protect the secondary is to rush the quarterback. Right. You right. know, and if you get the D line going, I know we brought in Brandon Jordan, who's a pass rush specialist, and by all accounts, you know, rave reviews so far from from the D line, especially the D ends, and and what we're hearing, uh, uh, the different techniques that are being taught. And uh, one name that I heard that uh, from back going back to the offensive line was uh, Spencer Booker. He's beginning Spencer to come Brown, out. Yeah. I'm sorry, Spencer yeah, Brown. Brown. He's been beginning to, to really. He does uh, look like a Booker. He does, yeah, right. <laughs> but he's really beginning to, really beginning to to come into his own, and uh, you know, by hearing from some of the coaches, I mean, he can, he can, he can be, he can, he can be a good one one day. Yep. You know, that's what yeah. I'm, that's yeah. what I'm hearing. And right, big fella out of West uh, Wald Lake Western, uh, really coming into his own. Had a very good bowl game when you look at his performance against Pitt. Yep. Uh, in the Peach Bowl. Um, went against some top talent there. They very much known for their pass rush and getting to the quarterback. And uh, he held his own and did a phenomenal job and has been able to change his body and get stronger. And he's going to continue to do that and work on that throughout the summer in order to be, solidify himself as a for sure day one starter. Right. Is it me or does it feel like football is, is and I know we talked about this before, but a 12-month season. Oh, now, yeah. Right? I mean, the excitement around the program you know, and the way that uh, uh, the program keeps everybody engaged, uh, it's got us all excited. I yeah. mean, we're, you know, we're in, uh, we're, we're actually, I never used to pay attention to spring ball. Right. Matter of fact, I hated spring football. <laughs> Just absolutely. Because <laughs> all you do, you blow your head up. I mean, I mean there was, there was, how about the inside run? When, when, three linemen versus three old linemen <laughs> versus three D linemen and a running back with the ball. Gee, I wonder what we're doing. And all you do is just crash into each other. Yeah. I mean, no play action, no figure. Everybody in there, everybody in the building knew they're running the ball, and it was yeah. it was just you know rep after rep after rep, and that's what football is. It's about yeah. rep timing, execution, and I believe uh, who did we hear? Uh, Coach Hawkins the other day said that he felt Jaden Reed yeah. could be the best uh, best receiver, one of the best receivers we've ever had, which is mm -hmm. which is great to hear. I hear Peyton's having a great camp, and. Uh, uh, the the second string quarterback is uh, yeah 
He's really what the what Coach yep. Johnson said, three hundred percent better. Yeah, yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, yeah, just the quarterback room as a whole. I, I'm pretty excited about right now. Um, I know, as usual, Mel Tucker is very complimentary of even Noah Kim. Uh, that's a guy that has been someone he has complimented here this year, last year. I think that's because uh, Mel Tucker kind of sees him as a very competent, uh, valuable backup quarterback, somebody you'd ideally like to see stick around. He's a guy that uh, is is making waves, but. And then obviously, Kane Hauser. That's that's yeah, the name. That's, that's that's the guy everyone wants to talk about. He's come in. He's crushed it uh, from the strength and conditioning element. Uh, he's up to two fifteen. So he's six four two fifteen. Uh, might even be up to two eighteen now. So he's not going to be there totally in terms of leadership and setting up the offense and making sure everything runs smoothly. That'll come with time, which he has, thanks to Peyton Thorne being here. But really excited about the future of the room. I, I think that you have uh, four guys there that if something were to happen, which I hope not, but if something were to happen, you're not going to lose games because of the quarterback position. Jason, talk a little bit about the impact so far that the, we're, the, we're getting rave reviews on uh, Aaron Brule and Jacoby Winman. And, you know, just kind of the, the lateral speed that we're that that, you know, a new element of speed that we're uh, we're seeing there in that in that new in that new four two five kind of makeshift or not makeshift, but uh, just the speed that they brought and, and the, the production that they brought, you know. Uh, but what are you hearing about how, the, the kind of spring that they're having? You know, th these are guys who have uh, an element of athleticism that we haven't seen since a guy like Antoine Simmons, if you recall. Yeah. A guy who would look like a video game player sometimes on that field when he would make, you know, 14, 16 tackles a game running sideline to sideline. The only thing Antoine Simmons was not was 6-2. And both of these guys are that. You know, when you talk about Jacoby Whitman and also uh, Aaron Brule. These guys uh, transfers from UNLV and Mississippi State, respectively, are absolutely phenomenal when it looks when you look at how they can read, react, and chase down the ball. The way that they are able to recognize passing situations and get deep in coverage, or get into the flat and be able to, to stretch the field and spill that that fast running back to the sideline. That's what you want. You want to be able to have leverage as a linebacker and be able to create. You know, not allow cutback lanes. That, that's the difference. We have a slower linebacker than, than guys like K-9, Kenneth Walker, as we've seen a year ago. He was able to turn the corner and break an 80-yarder on you. You know, when you have fast guys, they can seal that edge and can maintain leverage and make the guy run out of bounds in that same scenario. So that is a huge, uh, I would say, tool to have in your toolbox if you're Scotty Hazleton calling the plays on the defense for Michigan State. Not to bounce around, but let's go back to uh, like a Chris Bogle, who we heard, we're, we're hearing he's having a great camp as well. Mm -hmm. I believe he came out the other day and said that he, he believes we can win a national championship. And um, the, just the mentality, the expectation of this program. You know, we're no longer talking about uh, being in the discussion in November in the big, for the Big right. Ten East. I mean, right. we're talking about national championships. Yeah. And this is the mentality that I think uh, Mel Tucker really, truly believes and wants to build here. And, and when you talk to these young men and every time that they're always talking, they're talking about winning a natty, winning a natty. And I don't, you know, I don't remember us constantly talking day in and day out about it. Um, and it, you, you're really seeing a cultural shift in the program. It shifted from, you know, competing for championships in November in the Big Ten East to, uh, to, to winning the natty. And uh, just that, that shift in that mindset, uh, yeah. really impressive, yeah. real impressive. Yeah. You if, know? if there's anyone in the building that even mentions a goal short of winning a national title, they will be corrected by anyone that is around them. That is 100% what everyone is thinking in that locker room. And uh, kind of like you were saying, uh, that's something that Chris Bogle has said, despite just coming from the outside recently. And Amir Speed won a national title at Georgia, and he came in and said uh, Michigan State, he believes, has the pieces. They just need to put it together. So these are guys, um, if a champion is saying that, someone that just had a championship parade down in Georgia recently is giving those kind of assessments of the current program he's at, I think the, you, you can kind of start to get a little excited about the culture here that's, that's here at least. Mark my words Great about point, it. Justin. Great point. And, and, to, and to that point, Mere Speed, Georgia national title, and, and Bogle, as you said, Brian, he's a, a University of Florida yep. transfer. Both SEC school guys with those SEC bodies 
playing in East Lansing right now and looking around that locker room and in that field and saying exactly what we're saying, that this team has the pieces to put together a national championship run together. That's exciting. That, you know, you're exactly right because, you know, you, you, do they pass the eyeball test? Mm-hmm. And when you have SEC guys coming in here, and especially one who just won a natty, and they're looking around that locker room and they're seeing and they're playing every day, and they're, and they're commenting publicly that they believe they have, a, they have the pieces to win it, it really has to get you excited. It really does. Alex, we lost it, I think. Oh, there it goes. Um, what, oh, I lost my train of thought. Alex uh, was talking about. The, but it gets you, yeah, it gets you, it gets you yeah. excited when you think about, you know, the type of players who are saying this. This isn't guys just transferred in from, from you know, Western Northern, Michigan. With all due respect. Hey, <laughs> well, with all due respect, because we, one of the best players we have on our team did just that, Jalen yeah. Reed. Jaden Reed, and, and that's okay, you know, but it, this – says more when these guys are coming out of those locker rooms with those type of players that we all hear about with the SEC. You know, so competing in the Big Ten at a high level and, and getting to that college football playoff is the goal, and you're seeing that. And look, guys, I, this is the strength. We don't have a full offensive line. There's a ton of talent, as Justin, I'm sure you can speak to this, that hasn't arrived yet. We talked about Green for Washington State, but there's a lot of transfers. Mm-hmm and high school kids that will be coming here in the fall that are dynamite athletes that are going to contribute in the fall. No doubt right. about it. Yeah, for sure. I know um, we have a Pac-12 player of the year in Jarek Broussard, who's not even here. And uh, that's going to be, I guess you can estimate, uh, half of the running game, if not more. And you have uh, some freshmen too. Like you said, Braden Miller, he's a very underrated tackle from Colorado. Uh, you have a playing time available at the offensive tackle spots, at least in the two deep, if not the starting lineup, that's pretty much shored up. But yeah, there's, there's guys here. You can pick and choose spots where you can see contributions from guys that are not even here. And you raise a great point there. And uh, Broussard is the name that everyone goes to, but you never know who else can emerge from this freshman class. It's a solid one. There are um, openings in the two deep. And I think absolutely you can see some guys that come in and just hit the ground running and uh, that's going to be an intriguing storyline to watch here in fall camp for sure. I have no doubt in my mind, and I believe I can speak for Jason and for Justin, I have no doubt in my mind that before Mel Tucker leaves, and let's hope he never does, Mel Tucker will win a national championship at Michigan State University. You can take that to the bank. No, no doubt about it. No doubt yeah. about it. And, you know, and one of the things, one position that I'm excited about that, that I guess we could call low-hanging fruit, will be the tight end position because mm. this is a position that you don't really need to have a lot of time in studying and trying to figure things out. If you're a great athlete, it's been proven. You can get guys off the basketball court that are great athletes and bring them in to a football environment that can play tight end, and, and all they got to do is run that seam route, go run a corner route, go get the ball, man. And it's a it's an instant miss, mismatch for defenses when you have those type of players. And we have – the transfer from Illinois, we have some freshmen. Oh, yeah. Uh, some great freshmen players. Barker. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, a kid out of Arizona. You know, there, there's there's a lot of talent that is, that's going to be coming here to Michigan State in the fall uh, that, that I'm very excited about seeing. And looking at what Georgia did, look at Georgia's offense when they had not just two, three tight ends. They sometimes have four tight ends in the formation. And all of them between six four to six eight, all of them extremely athletic, athletic, and can make plays. That puts a tremendous amount of stress on opposing defenses, and that's a place that I think Jake Johnson is going to just flourish with his play calling ability. Right, and that's a great point. You made uh, a couple of great points there too. In addition to, so when you look at Georgia, you kind of see. Who was their best tight end? It was Brock Bowers. He was a true freshman. Not a lot of time is required to get acclimated as a tight end. And that brings me to the point of Jack Nickel. He's a guy coming in uh, from the state of Georgia, Alfreda Milton High School. He has the blocking down. I would go as far as to say he's the best blocking tight end on the roster by the opening kickoff when the season starts in September. Uh, I guess Barker, I haven't seen all of his blocking footage yet, but he's a guy that's coming in just blocking 
like crazy. You've been raving about his blocking for yes. a while. Yes. You believe he was underrated to right. the stars. I, you you thought yep. he was yes. he deserved uh, more yes. more stars. I will actually uh, give a tidbit here of before he committed. Uh, this was around the time that he was offered, which was right after he decommitted from Notre Dame. I had a Notre Dame insider, Kevin Sinclair. He texted me and said, this is the best blocking tight end I have ever covered in my wow. time as a recruiting insider. He said, I would like to see him do a little more in the receiving game. This was before senior year. Um, but blocking wise, he's all the way there. Senior year started. He was catching hitch routes, taking them down the field, seam routes down the field. So I don't, I don't want to say he's just a finished product because he needs to do a lot more in the receiving game still. But the reason that a lot of tight ends stay off the field as freshmen is because of blocking, and he will not have that issue. So you combine Barker, uh, as you were talking about, with maybe if Malik Carr uh, blocks a little better here this upcoming season, Jack Nickel, Tyler Hunt is back. I think you're looking at Jay Johnson finally being able to unlock his offense as he's been waiting to do uh, because he has a lot of options at tight end this off this uh, upcoming season very hard to cover a tight end if you have a tight end that can run it's very difficult to cover a tight end let me tell you yep. um well that's good stuff on to uh on to basketball a little bit let's talk a little uh, msu basketball here max christie to test the nba draft um his status within the nba draft recently announced um well Interesting move. What are your thoughts on that, Justin? So I am of the opinion that any kid that plays more than 25 minutes per game for a winning program, a high major program, whatever you want to call it, should test waters um, as a freshman or sophomore if they're already playing that much at that level because what that allows you to do at the very least is you go to the combine, you network, you kind of get a gauge on where you are seen in the eyes of the people that will be dictating your future at the next step. So any freshman that's playing a lot for a winning program, go ahead and do this. When it comes to Christie and what I think he should do as his next step after this common sense step, I think he could kind of look at the blueprint of somebody like Jaden Ivey, someone like... Um, uh, a Keegan Murray, different position, but that's kind of the, the blueprint that I see in his future where freshman year, they're just getting their feet wet, uh, averaging single digit points, go hit the gym hard in the off season, put on some weight, come back their sophomore year and take a huge jump. So I think definitely he should come back. And uh, I agree with this decision to go in the draft. And if he comes back, I expect him to have a solid, solid year and a big leap next year. Does he come back? If I had to place a bet, I would say yes, he does. Mr. Strayhorn? That is not on any inside information. Oh, for sure. I, I think he's coming back. He, he's not going to be a lottery pick by any stretch of the imagination this year. Uh, but I think that he does have an opportunity to get in the discussion of that if he has a great offseason, like Justin just said. You know, he's got the pedigree. His mother, I think, was the leading all-time scorer at Northwestern. So he's got a pedigree in basketball. He's got the athleticism. You can tell he he's just, just needs a little bit more seasoning. That's all he needs, really, to take it to the next level and be an absolute star. I think of him as being a guy who has a little bit more upside than than even a um, uh, Brandon from uh, – excuse me, I'm losing his last name from from the San Antonio Spurs. Bryn Forbes. Bryn Forbes. Bryn Forbes. Yes. Bryn Forbes. Oh yeah, I yeah. think he's. I think he's a little. I think he's a little more, more decorated upside. than Bryn. Really came. I mean, Bryn. Yeah. Nobody expected him to have the NBA that. career that he's had. You know, but right. if if uh, you know all the rumors about uh, problems with his family and stuff, none of that. None of that's true. None of that's true. If I had to guess on as he's staying or he's going, I believe he will leave. He'll leave to the draft. I think he's gone. That's mm. my. Interesting. That's, that's, that's what I believe. Oh, I, wow. I think his days in East Lansing are done. Um, just you love my, counting people out. Just you my thoughts. Those are just my thoughts. <laughs> you know. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. You know. Uh, DJ, how about DJ? 19 years. How about that? Dwayne Stevens. Happy for the big fella. Happy for the big fella, yeah. huh? Yep. Getting coached, yeah. named head coach, Western Michigan University. Well deserved. Coach Ezo's confidant. Been with him 19 years. I believe out of Ferndale. I remember watching him out of high school. I remember <laughs> watching him out of high school. And then uh, obviously playing at MSU and yep. being a Spartan for life. And good for him. Yeah. You know, what, is, what does this mean 
to the losing a guy like Dwayne Stevens to the program. Yeah. What, what do you what do you what do you how do you take that? I mean, I guess the first thing I kind of want to touch on here is how cool was it to see at the introductory press conference the whole Spartan family kind of show up. For oh him yeah, there. look at that. that. Was, yeah, that's right there. I'm telling you, so cool right that, there. But that's the loyalty that Coach Izzo teaches. That's yep. the culture that Coach builds yep. around his program. Yeah, I wouldn't expect anything less than that. You know, right. and that's really a testament to Coach and to the culture and and to what he's built over there. And while you know a lot of us. You know, see him rant and rave and scream and yell and that his former players and people that have played for him die on him, love him, are mm-hmm. close to him, are fiercely loyal to him for a reason. Yeah. It's because of stuff like that. Right. That's how he yeah. how he builds culture. So right, but yeah. So in terms of kind of what it means for the program, so uh, for Spartan fans, I guess they first of all get a new kind of team to root for, uh, cheering for DJ's success uh, over there down the road in Kalamazoo. But you also get an opportunity here to see what Tom Izzo does with this opportunity he has in front of him to make a new hire. Uh, I was really impressed with the quote that Graham Couch uh, got put together from Izzo himself, kind of talking about how this is an opportunity for him to Read get it. somebody. Because it's a great, yeah, okay. it a great quote that. from Graham. Read yeah, that quote. Cool. All right, sounds good. I think it'll be kind of an important hire for me, and I'm going to try to get someone who is, I wouldn't say young, young, uh, has some experience, but also has some vigor and some energy. I don't know who right now, and everybody will give names. Put it this way. I've got some guys that I think about, but no one who really... I would want to talk to some people. I'm going to talk to some people. I'm going to talk to some coaches, but I think it's someone that's got to have an understanding of this new world that we're in as far as the transfer portal and NIL and relationships with kids are going to be as important as they have ever been. And so I want someone who's going to spend a lot of time with my guys, a lot of time. The two parts. Interesting quote here. Yes. Love right? that. Man, we a, need the whistles like that. That's that yeah. confetti. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, right there. I mean, short of uh, him announcing his Twitter handle in this quote, <laughs> you know, this is earth shattering stuff here. It is. It he's, really is. He's acknowledging, you know, the uh, the relationships with the players and and somebody younger with more energy, nil portal, yep. and he's really acknowledging uh, this new era of college basketball. And in, and when he talks about this is an important hire for me, you know, I take it as he sees that. He needs to adapt, uh, and he sees that the game is evolving. Right. And this is right. a very encouraging quote that he gave uh, Graham. And um, what are your thoughts on it? I love it. I think as uh, we have all kind of come to a conclusion that Izzo's not going anywhere in the next couple of years or so. He's, he's here. got longer than five years. Yeah, yeah. I, he's not going anywhere. I'm telling you that right now. Right. Last That's summer, my prediction. Right. Last summer, my prediction was kind of he would see the 2021 graduating class through. That, that goes out the window. My prediction was wrong. Uh, so with that being said, this is exactly the kind of quote you want from somebody who you might have some fears about, is he going to adapt? Is he not? This is the kind of energy you want that coach to put out there at this point in his career. He's a guy that understands that, Hey, I might have some blind spots when it comes to NIL on the transfer portal. That that's why it's integral for me to make sure that the person I hire has those sort of as their strong suits. So I think if that is the case and you get someone that understands leveraging NIL, you get somebody that understands how to use the portal to strategically build a roster. I'm not talking about like Arkansas where your whole starting lineup is a transfer, but if you can get a center and a winger, something like that, Christie comes back Michigan State has as good of a team as anybody next year so you have an assistant that can help you put those pieces in place I think the future is as bright as ever in East Lansing that's a great point Justin and Brian to this to that point to me it's what Izzo didn't say it was the key and what he didn't say was hey I don't care what anybody else is saying we're going to hire from within we're going to close ranks we're going to do things our way That's what he did not say. So that's what I think people are afraid of, and we've been talking about that on this show. Like, will he embrace? Will uh, Izzo embrace the new culture of the transfer portal and NIL? We asked Mateen about it, and Mateen kind of hinted, like, you know, listen, because he said, hey, Izzo's a great coach, but a better man. And, And he said that he hinted that he's going to do whatever it takes to get to that next level. And you're seeing evidence of that right there in that quote that Justin just so eloquently read for all of us that Izzo is 
in when it comes to the NIL and the transfer portal. And we've said it before, and I'll say it again. Look out when Izzo gets down with the NIL, the transfer portal, because let me tell you something. There's no better coach when it comes to being able to coach X's and O's and getting guys ready for March than him. And all he needs is the talent, and that's where he's going to get it, through the portal and NIL. Here's my thing is that, um, you know, basketball has had a nasty underbelly for years. I mean, everybody knows. I mean, the nets they cut down Monday night were the, some of the most expensive nets anybody ever cut down. Yep. The dollar bill yep. over there, Kansas. Yeah, right over mean, the luxury tax. I mean, they got them. They got them on FBI wiretaps. You yeah. know, I mean, you know, cutting down expensive <laughs> nets. Yeah. You know, I mean, let's just be honest. You know, <laughs> if there's if 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 coach embraces nil, this this is a way for him who. The Feds proved it is as honest as a day is long. Doesn't right. doesn't doesn't play 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 pay players. Right. Right. If uh if he embraces NIL, this is an advantage, in my opinion, yeah. for him and for Michigan State. Yeah. Because now it allows you to play by the by the same rules that that everybody Absolutely. else is playing by. Absolutely. Think about all the guys who ru- rumors have it they were really close to committing to Michigan State, but Dollar Bill Self slid the bag and they went <laughs> they went Bill down Self. there. So so when when that's <laughs> kind of when that's kind of Dollar the reason Bill that Self. you're not getting some of these guys, uh, you take that reasoning away. What's stopping these guys to come and join the fold here? What? Yeah, it's, that's it. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're if I'm Coach Izzo, and you know, I look at my one of my best, my best friends, Nick Saban, seven years old, has adapted, continues to to play for champions, championships, and and is in the discussion every year. Has done very well adapting. Um, NIL, in my opinion, helps a, a, a program as clean as Tom Izzo, and uh, yeah, you know, as long as he goes in the portal and gets a seven, coach. Go on the portal, <laughs> get us a seven-footer, get us somebody underneath. Uh, we'll talk next week. Next week we'll talk about which players we want you to one get. One of them Petri dish guys. One of them yeah, yeah, dish. We got, yeah, yeah, one of them Petri dish guys. Yep. Ivan yeah, yeah, Drago, that guys. Yeah. 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 We'll talk next week. Ne- next week, Coach, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, 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 we're going to give you the blueprints to winning that second yeah. natty. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get it taken care of. I'll leave. Uh, I'll leave a list right hey, here. Listen, don't hey, move hold it. Hold on, hold on, <laughs> Justin. And listen, you don't, we don't want to just hammer on Kansas because there's been Why a lot not? of players oh. <laughs> over the years that have been in the discussion with Michigan State, and then there's mm-hmm. been guys, uncles that have come through and slipped the the the, the offer. The, the the you know here's the number to. Izzo's camp, and let's not call it Izzo. And, you know, obviously Izzo doesn't play by those rules, and those kids end up at, yeah, Kansas. They end up at Michigan. They end up at Duke. Yep. They do end up at Duke. Absolutely. 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 Yeah, they sure do. Nobody wants to talk about that. Yeah. Nobody wants to talk about that. I know they thank God for Coach K. He's a great coach, and he's done a lot against Izzo, but there's a difference between how he conducts business and how Izzo has conducted business in the rules that, that, that we all have to play by. Right. Before. Now it's different. It's a total different discussion right now. I know it used to be taboo, but now it's totally legal. The NCAA has literally taken their hands off and said, you know what, we this is illegal. You know, the Supreme Court has spoken and said there is no other place in society where this would not be considered illegal. This, this is a monopoly. This is crazy, the way that they have been treating players over the last, I don't know, 100 years. So, yes. Yeah. Tom Izzo now has the opportunity to do what those programs are doing legally. Right. That changed the playing field. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing about it is, like, we all agree that players should have been getting paid. Like, that's not what we're against. Like, it was amateur exploitation what was happening before. No question. But but when – you have a school like Duke who is over here just buying their way to, to national titles. You have ESPN with their Duke media, with their uh, Jay Billis and their Jay Williams and their Dukey V. You have these guys sitting there and telling you, Duke, this is how you win. This is the culture. This is basketball. It just gets sweeped under the rug. And then you're basically D, you're basically incentivized to cheat. And there's no incentive to playing it cleanly. So, NIL, very good news. I guess that's really my only point. I don't know if you know this, but Duke's in the bonus already. Mm. 
Yeah, they're already in the bonus. <laughs> you know, they're in the bonus. They're in our bracket, in the yeah. 2023 bracket. <laughs> hey, just want I want to give a quick shout out to our MSU women's gymnastics team. What a great year! Uh, took third in the regionals, highest scoring program history, scoring a 197.650 to the women's gymnastics team. Congratulations! What a great run, great year. Very proud of you. Spartan Nation is very, very proud of you. Congratulations. Go Green. Wishing you all the best the following year. Also want to give a shout-out, a huge shout-out to James Pyatt, the uh, amateur, the national amateur champion playing in the Masters. Do we got that tweet of who he's playing with? I mean, he is playing with some heavy company there, boy. Heavy, heavy company. I believe Justin Rogers was uh, ranked seventh in the country. Uh, Justin is that Justin? Justin Thomas. Justin yes. Thomas. Yes. I'm sorry. And then and then he's playing with the former uh, last year's master winner, uh, who won the Masters. Uh, I mean, yeah. got to give him a shout out. What a what an experience, huh? Yeah, yeah. To be able to play the Masters oh. as an amateur, so proud. Amazing. That's, I, yeah. That is just incredible. That's MSU's right. number one NIL athlete right there. Right yeah. there. Yeah. Absolutely right there. <laughs> yeah. No question about it. What a story. What a, what a great story. Um, let's get into our little segment here, Overheard in Our Locker Room 30 years ago. We want to pick one topic or two, you know, and, and expand on it ago. and hopefully not get canceled. Um because we're talking about 1993 in our locker room. How so about just Harb? completely taken our guest off the show. Well, he, talk, he wasn't born yet. He's not yet. even 30 years old. Well, we're, we're going to talk about our locker room, and then he's going to talk about how it's, how it's perceived today. He's 22. Or he's, 23. 23, sorry. 23. 23. Yeah. Come on, man. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Here, how about Harbs inviting Kaepernick to practice? Do we have any video of that? So, so, uh, that, which is that was an interesting right uh, yeah. quote. Yes. So uh, for those that didn't see, uh, Jim Harbaugh invited Colin Kaepernick to uh, to their spring game to, yeah. to, for a little exhibition to throw to to uh, is it was it the free agent receivers or to Michigan yeah, receivers? I think it was free agent receivers, and then a couple like a few scouts were there as present as well. Yeah, a couple scouts were there, and then we had you know MSU Twitter come and attack, <laughs> and there was one about you know what what Harbaugh said back when Ka- Kaepernick yeah. kneeled that he didn't respect him, and everybody who was not familiar uh, uh, with uh, Harbaugh and Kaepernick's history, Cap uh, played for uh, Harbaugh at the uh, 49ers. Mm-hmm. Jason, what would 30 years ago? How would that have sounded or looked in our locker room? Uh, we know the attention, the politics, everything that's gone on with uh, what, what what Colin Kaepernick has done. We know how it's there's been it's been a, a polarizing issue. Uh, he hasn't played football, and he comes to you know how would that have been perceived in our locker room? Hey man, let me tell you something. Like like when you talk about Colin Kaepernick and Jim Harbaugh, I think that you know the history. Is, is 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 tainted a little bit. This is a guy who pr- pretty much created Colin Kaepernick. Kaepernick, Kaepernick, if you can recall, was the backup to Alex Smith with the 49ers. Alex Smith got hurt, and, you know, they brought Colin Kaepernick in when Alex Smith was healed and ready to come back to play. You know, Jim Harbaugh made the controversial decision at the time to allow a starting quarterback to lose his job to injury, essentially and move on from Alex Smith and go on with Colin Kaepernick and, and which then, you know, the rest of that, that story is history. He, you know, he, he, he plays into a Super Bowl. He, he uh, gets a hundred plus million dollar contract, but you saw Colin Kaepernick, you know, once the NFL caught up to his skill level, it, you know, his skills looked to diminish. He was kind of a running quarterback, athletic. He didn't have a great throwing motion. It wasn't that great of a player. Like, you know, let, let's just be quite honest about this, guys. Everybody forgets that. As a player, he was on his way out, and then the peaceful protest started. And, and in my opinion, that, that had him at a position of being untouchable, uncuttable. And then the politics got involved, and it really made a martyr out of the young man because what he was standing for was just. And the courts ruled so, and, and, but, but as a football you take that 
piece aside and we're going just directly to football, I don't know if he is of the ability at this point because where he was five, six, seven years ago, it was already on its way down. It's much more difficult as an older man to get back into the NFL when your skills had already started to diminish. And I didn't see anything this weekend uh, at Michigan and Ann Arbor that can say that, hey, oh, well, this guy is doing something that uh, the younger players, that they can get for a lot cheaper, uh, it can do. Uh, and that's my opinion. Uh, and and let's, let's see how things play out. And I don't think in that case that this is a good old boy network type of situation. There are plenty of those. When you look at the coaching travesties that are going on with minorities and coaching in the NFL, those are real. And, and, and where you have absolute guys who are qualified who are being passed over. When you're talking about Colin Kaepernick, it's a little different. It's a little dicey, a more dicey of a situation. And I think this is more of the Michigan hype machine. And uh, Jim Harbaugh sees this as a way to capitalize on that in order to bring more cameras and more eyeballs. But, but that. That, that's what I want to go to there for a second. So was this a good move by Harbaugh? Was it, we know, was it, was it, a, was it a, a marketing ploy? Was it, uh, I'm going to do you a solid because you played for me. I'm going to show how loyal I was. Um, you know, you, you have conservative fan yes, base. Yes. You, you have liberal fan base. You divided your fan base. Does, does that help or hurt their program? Justin, what do you think? So I don't really see the benefit of doing this now. I think kind of what Jason was saying there, looking at the football component alone, uh, Cap is about 37 years old, I want to say. Maybe I'm wrong, 36, something like that. But he wasn't there for the football component. So so right now at this point in time, you're not really doing much for his football career, as you're saying. The time to do this would have been back in 2016, back when, yeah, like Jason's saying, I don't think he was probably good enough to be a starting quarterback at that point in his career, but I think he was definitely good enough to be on a roster. There's no way he wasn't a top 96 quarterback. That's when if Harbaugh was kind of genuine in his uh, attempt to revitalize Kaepernick's career, if that's what he wanted to do, that's the time for this. To do it now, after a six-year hiatus, I I'm kind of uh, missing the the point here. What was the point? I mean, if you're running a program and you're you know you never want to be a battleground. You mm-hmm. never want your university. You never want to divide your alumni and your fan base. Yeah. And if anything, that did that. W- right. What was the point of that? That's right. What 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 would. What did they stand to gain right. from that? And, and even if even if Harbaugh wanted to kind of remedy his original stance, um, if he didn't believe that anymore of, of how he kind of put down uh, Kaepernick back in the day, he could have just kind of came out with a public sense of support. But to kind of have him throw in front of scouts after a six-year hiatus, that's not really even the way to kind of undo your original stance where he was kind of bashing Kaepernick. So again, even from the personal, like helping a friend side, I'm still just kind of missing the point here. I did. I thought it was just kind of out of, out of nowhere, really. Right. Yeah. At a spring game, let's do an ex- exhibition, a throwing right. exhibition with Colin Kaepernick. I didn't really understand the whole yeah. purpose idea. And I know it was, uh, I believe, Wolverines for Racism asked him to do it. And there was an organization that brought him on campus. And mm. I mean, I'm all, I'm all for it. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't, it's not, doesn't matter. It's not our program. I'm just saying from a, from a, a fan base point, you, clearly, if you read the fan base, they're clearly divided on the topic. And I just, I don't understand the, 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 but I get, I get, you know, if you're trying to make a point about racism and mm-hmm. you feel, if you feel that this is something that, you know, will help, um, you know, quell some of that, like right. I can see that point of view as yeah. well. But the, I mean, obviously there are pros and cons to both. And I just, right. it just, if I felt like it was just out of nowhere, right. you know, it wasn't right. something that was uh, natural. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like if uh, like like we're saying, like if you wanted to make a statement and say, you know, I take back what I said in 2016. Now I kind of want to support what Kaepernick was doing. You just make him the honorary captain or something. You don't kind of pedal him out there in front of scouts after a six year retirement and do that component of it. It kind of seemed unnatural, like you were saying, kind of showy, not kind of without an objective. I think if you make him an honorary captain, disingenuous. Yeah, word. yeah. I mean, bring him, trotting him out in front of twenty thousand people at a spring game. Yeah, that's one thing. You know, where nobody's really paying attention to football. Making him an honorary captain, you, you know, you if you got if you got guts, <laughs> you do that. Right. You know, if you really want to take a position on it, you do something like that. Anyway, um, on the recruiting, mm. Justin. That's why we got Justin here. <laughs> I'll tell you, Justin, and. Uh, 
We saw the latest rankings. If you want to talk a little bit about what we're ranked, our latest rankings. I know there are three highly coveted targets that uh, the staff is pursuing. Uh, one being uh, the linebacker Jordan Hall out of IMG in Florida. Um, I know he's visiting MSU. I don't believe he's visited yet. He actually has yeah, visited. He has. So he visited last summer. Then he visited for a game during the season. And then he visited this past January. So uh, that's actually one of the more impressive components of that recruitment. And almost any recruitment is you have a four-star linebacker from IMG with offers from a lot of schools who on his own dime has come to campus three times and is uh, going to be taking an official visit to Michigan State in June. And uh, that's that's very impressive, and I think that's a strong indicator of his interest in Michigan State. And uh, that's that's great to hear if you're a Spartan fan. Wow. So then uh, Ruben Owens, who's a, a five-star running back out of Texas, is visiting April 16th. Yeah. And uh, the staff is obviously very high on him. Right. Wait. I believe Ruben Owens actually is now the – yep, he is the number one running back, uh, according to 24-7, in the, in the 2023 class. He's a guy from Texas. He uh, – obviously, you know the competition down there. You, you can see the highlights up there. Kid is electric. Uh, could start oh. right away. I mean, I guess you have to see what Michigan State has going on, but he has the ability to start right away at most schools. Uh, his trainer uh, is somebody that took a trip up to Michigan State recently with a 2025 wide receiver whose name is escaping me right now. But that is a, a recruitment where Michigan State is starting to make some moves there. Uh, I will transition this to uh, the other guy that is on the list here in David Hicks. Uh, the five-star defensive end, the defensive tackle possibly, uh, out of Texas. They have the same trainer, both of those guys, five stars from Texas. Mm. So if you start to have some uh, kind of uh, interest in the people that are counseling these guys, handling these guys, then you are able to kind of have a better shot at these recruitments. So uh, good job at Michigan State kind of getting him up to campus so he can go ahead and spread the word of the energy, the vibes here, and take it down to his five-star guys down in Texas. I mean, when's the last time we had the number one running back in the country visit Michigan State University? I do not have the answer to that question. I mean, think about that. <laughs> and look at, and, and when is, how many? A long time. I know, and, and uh, a five-star defensive tackle yeah. out of Texas. Fourth-ranked kid in the nation. I mean, where, where is, uh, any any so word? defense tackle is a fourth ranked player or a yes. fourth ranked yeah, defense yeah, tackle? Yep. Fourth ranked player in the nation. Yeah, I'll tell you, David Hicks, Ruben so that Owens. Would be number one defensive tackle. I that yep, yeah, uh, I think so. I believe so. That is, I mean, so we got the number think one defense. Those are two yeah. Yeah. Two number ones. Mm-hmm. Two number ones visiting Michigan State University. And I cannot recall a time that that has ever happened. You think Mel Tucker's changing the culture a bit? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Just a bit. And that kind of speaks to the perception of the program because it would be one thing if, you know, Owens and Hicks were from Michigan or Ohio or Indiana. These are kids from Texas that have offers from every single school you can think of that are coming here. And Owens coming up for the spring game. He's a guy that's once again coming on his own dime because it's an unofficial visit because official visits don't start in April. So you have these guys from far away buying plane tickets and hotels and coming up to Michigan State before official visits. That, that is just wild to me. What I mean, what are you hearing? Do you do we have a chance on, I mean, how close are we? Any crystal ball, any predictions on any of these guys? So for all of these guys, um, I would say Jordan Hall is somebody that we have thought about crystal balling. Myself, Corey Robinson, uh, Stephen Brooks, like the, the guys at 24-7, we've thought about crystal balling him there. Uh, I think right now the thing is just that we don't know kind of uh, when he plans to commit. So if he does stick to his July sort of commitment date and he does take that official visit to Michigan State, I'm comfortable saying that at that point, Michigan State would be the leader, in my opinion. Wow. Uh, for the other guys, I don't think they are in a rush to commit anytime soon. I don't even know who their top group is right now. But as long as their visits stay in place, Michigan State, the second they get a kid on campus, they suddenly have a fighting shot for anybody. And then uh, David Washington Jr., wide mm -hmm. receiver out of St. Joe's Prep. Yeah. Um, 
He's a guy that I've uh, actually talked to, uh, the guy that he works with uh, in terms of preparation and training out there in Las Vegas. Uh, same guy that actually uh, trained Kane Hauser uh, back when he was home in Nevada during the summers, Kenny Ray. He's a kid that uh, he's ranked 22nd in the entire nation um, before today's update. I'm not sure what he is right now, but this is a kid that once again, far away, ranked really high, coming up to Michigan State on his own dime, starting to see a pattern here. So we'll see. He does not hold a Michigan State offer yet. But when a kid makes the effort to come from across the country like this and he's ranked that high, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets an offer either on this visit or his next visit if he chooses to take one. So, yeah, just furthering the pattern of highly ranked kids far away, having a positive perception of Michigan State coming here on their own dime. So right now you have us uh, predicted we're 11th, 12th, 13th. What did I say? Sounds about right. I think 12th is what I saw last week. I don't know what's happened this week, but that sounds about right. And then I read an article where we're expecting possibly three commits uh, uh, this month, possibly. Possibly, yeah. I I can see a couple guys uh, after the spring game finally deciding, hey, I've visited here several times. Time to kind of maybe wrap things up. So I, I think that's anybody off the top of your mind that you're thinking. Cole Dellinger is a guy that comes to mind there. He's a kid out of uh, uh, Clarkston. Yep, that yeah. is correct. Clarkston, uh, four star. Uh, his brother went to LSU, Garrett Dellinger, two cycles ago. Cole visited LSU. You'd think, oh, this kid, his brother's down at LSU. LSU recently won a national title. They might have the lead. But no, uh, myself, my colleagues, uh, Alan True, who covers uh, the Midwest, we're kind of hearing Michigan state's the leader there. And he's a kid that has visited Michigan state more times than I can count going all the way back to, since, uh, the pandemic, uh, dead period was lifted back last June, uh, came here, really enjoyed himself at Spartan.com July 31st last year, uh, came up here with Brendan Parachek, who's a current four star commit for Michigan state. These are guys that once you start to see them visit five, six, seven times in state kids leading for a while, that's where we kind of start to see, okay, this is a guy that might be in that mode where he's willing to commit soon. So the crystal balls are in there. Um, I don't anticipate needing to change that. Not sure when he might commit, but that is a guy that comes to mind as someone that might commit in April. What other crystal balls are in? Um, Right now, so we usually don't put in the crystal balls based on just gut feeling. If I were to do that, I would say Enao Etta is a guy, a four-star defensive end, top 100 from Texas. Uh, he's a guy that visited Michigan State, visiting Michigan State again here this upcoming uh, official visit season. He's uh, he's one of those guys that Brandon Jordan is his pull. Oh, yeah. Brandon Jordan got the job, and immediately he's scheduling a visit to Michigan State. He wants to play in the Big Ten in Midwest country, he said. And he's a kid that uh, Andrew DePape, a current four-star commit, who, by the way, is Michigan State's and- highest ranked out-of-state commit in seven years. Out of Iowa. Yes, out of Iowa. He committed within three or four weeks of Brandon Jordan getting the job. It wasn't even on Michigan. wasn't even considering Michigan State much before Brandon Jordan. So these, these are kind of the storylines that, that you kind of gravitate to when you're trying to gauge where is the potential of this class, where are the positions of strength, and defensive end, I think, can carry Michigan State to a top 10, top 15 kind of class this year. You start landing a couple of five stars, maybe you get closer to the top five range, but that's kind of that's kind of where my head goes when you start looking at where recruiting is trending. Very interesting. The Pape is also uh, the uh, honorary uh, recruiting coordinator, master on, recruiter on yep. Twitter as well. Yep. yep, him and the chief of propaganda. Just oh, <laughs> chief prop, chief of propaganda. Yeah, he'll, he's on the staff. Oh. He'll, he'll be he'll be uh, <laughs> when when Mel's hoisting the natty one day, chief propaganda will be standing next yep. to him. Yep, mark my word. Yep, you know because uh, he. I think he lives in Twitter. Uh-huh. He might live inside of Twitter because yeah. he's uh, he is everywhere. Yeah, lives inside the wood ha- woodshed. He, he does. He, lives in, yeah. he's, he is so so enjoyable. <laughs> Chief, you do a great job, Chief. Any other um, 23s that we should keep an eye on that you, yes. you think? Yeah, so one of the things I've been really impressed with uh, this past cycle here, Michigan State has had tons of offensive line recruits visit Uh, take unofficial visits the past month or so that has just been off the charts in terms of what coach cap has done in that regard 
Uh, the names that really stick out to me, four-star top 100 offensive tackle from New Jersey, Chase Basantis, spent three days in Michigan State here this, I want to say two weeks ago, maybe last week. He is high on caps list, oh, boy. Yeah. He is high. Yeah. Five-star Samson Okunlola from high Massachusetts. Absolutely. Yeah. These Ooh. are these are guys, excuse me, that are coming back for official visits uh, in the in June. Uh, they are Samson is actually a guy that told my colleague Corey that he's not opposed to committing after only taking two or three official visits. So he's not one of those kids that's going to extend it to National Signing Day, kind of like a Keontae Goodwin thing. He's a guy that came here, visited Michigan State. Uh, actually also visited Michigan and then told uh, uh, their reporters in the article, I was coming to the state to visit Michigan State. So I figured, why not also go go to Michigan? So you kind of get an insight there of why he really came to the state of Michigan. And it was for Michigan State. So uh, yeah, you kind of have some of those names. And the amount of guys uh, right after Basantes and Okunlola who are still very good, but not top 100 guys, that part of that uh, recruiting board is almost just as impressive. Like you have top 247 guys like, um, uh, like uh, Shamarud Umaroff, a uh, guy from Georgia. You have Miles McVeigh. You have Peyton Kirkland. You, the list goes on and on. What states are these guys from? Uh, Kirkland is from Florida. Umaroff is from Georgia. McVeigh mm-hmm. is from Missouri. Uh, these, again, you see the kind of the flavor. I mean, we gotta get Justin. Justin's yeah. got to get a job. We've got to hire this guy. So, I mean, we're this, you know, Saeed, you listening? No doubt. So, yeah, so you kind of see all these guys coming from outside of the bubble on their own dime i keep reiterating that is what really indicates to you the level of interest these kids have so you say you somehow do miss on some of these five star top of 75 kids your guys in that next tier they are at a higher level than i have ever seen in terms of michigan state offensive line recruiting wow impressive very impressive so we need to have Justin on more. We, we <laughs> as the season goes and as the so the, uh, to tell us what the cycle is. So twenty three, yes. the twenty twenty threes, the big we got a big weekend next. Uh, yeah, uh, spring games, big weekend, huge weekend, huge, huge weekend. I I always mention this uh, anytime someone asks me about the spring game. Last year, Michigan State had over thirty guys come to the game. This was with the attendance limit which required the recruits to have tickets. The staff couldn't do anything to help with tickets because it was a dead period. So they had 30 kids, a lot of highly ranked kids, show up to campus on their own, somehow like try to get tickets, wake up in the morning, and that was the enthusiasm you the enthusiasm you saw last year with those barriers to entry kind of in place. Can you imagine this year after an 11 win season, uh, no attendance limit, you just simply show up uh, the the culture and what the staff has been able to do here, I think what you're going to see with this year's spring game, it's it's just going to have an energy and momentum that stems from it on the recruiting trail that I haven't seen uh, in terms of Michigan State recruiting. That's exciting. So we got spring game, yep, and then the 24 start in June, right? The, the 20 the recruiting period, or there's a dead period. So so what happens is uh, in the month of May you're not going to see much, but in June is when these 2023s that we're talking about right now visiting on their own dime. That's when they can start coming and taking official visits, mm. and that's where you're going to get insight as fans of who is the staff prioritizing because not a, not only. Uh, everyone that's like, hey, coach, can I come take an official visit is going to get one. So official visits, exciting time for me to cover. Uh, you kind of get insight. These are the guys the staff is prioritizing. These are the kids that are, because you only get five. These are the kids that think Michigan State is a possible home for them. So June, July, that's where you get a lot of insight on who the most feasible targets are in this cycle. And then September 1st is really where you start to hear a lot about the 2024s because that is when coaches can start to make direct contact first with the 2024 kids. Right now, the kids can engage the coaching staff, call the coaches, but that's when the coaching staff can start to get a hold of these kids on their own without those kids calling first. So that's really when 2024 recruiting starts. But June, July, it's going to be a great month for 2023 recruiting. Wow, that's fantastic. One last thing for you. Yeah. Let's jump to basketball recruiting. Yeah. Um, how many scholarships do we have open? Uh, so my estimation is if Hauser does not come back, I think you're looking at three. Um, if Hauser does come back, I think you're looking at two. 
Fears takes one of them. Oh, so if you're looking at it that way, uh, then it also depends on who they kind of get from the portal, how much eligibility that guy has, um, who decides to come back with an extra year after this year, like a Malik Hall. Is he going to come back the year after? So in that regard, uh, I don't think scholarships are much of a worry. Uh, for the 2023 recruiting cycle, you're going to be able to get your Jeremy Fears. You're going to be able to get an Xavier Booker, uh, possibly even another guy. So I don't think they're going to be too hand-tied in that regard of how many scholarships they have, but I'm not able to give you an exact number until those unknown variables kind of sort themselves out. Well, I'll tell you, Justin Thin is the real <laughs> deal. Huh? With straight, it's a whole... As advertised. Whole whole other world. We need to learn learn more about this whole recruiting world. That's the lifeline. You know, we like to come watch the finished product. Him, oh yeah, he'll be, <laughs> believe me, we're gonna be on vacation. You and I in June, July. He's gonna be running our show. Him and Corey. He bring on Alan True. So, Justin, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having appreciate me, you guys. You thank it, you very much for filling. Did a great job. Really yeah. appreciate your insight. Always appreciate your knowledge yeah. as it relates to sports and recruiting, Mr. Strayhorn. It was a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. I am Brian Mosalem, your co-host, along with my co-host, Jason Strayhorn. Once again, thank you, Justin Thin. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Good night and go green. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply.